The following episode was recorded before March 2024, and while the content shared is valuable and useful, it features Rob, who is no longer involved in the business. Hey, it's Rob and Kennedy. Hello, today on the Email Marketing Show, we're talking about understanding customer profiling, the what, why, and how of knowing your customers. And it doesn't have to be quite as boring as we've made it sound. <laughs> One of the ways that you can really get information on your customers is to pay attention to what they are clicking on. But that means you have to get them to be clicking on things. So we want to make sure that as many of your emails as possible have links in them. But you have to do that in a way that means people don't get bored of clicking on the links in your emails, especially if you're talking about the same thing quite a lot. So the way that we do this is by dressing up those links in different fashions. And we've put together a really cool free report that will give you 12 of our favorite creative ways to get more clicks from every single email that you send, starting from the next email you send. Um, and it's called Click Tricks. All you have to do to download it totally for free is head over to emailmarketingheroes.com forward slash tricks. What a treat. He doesn't dunk biscuits. It's comedy hypnotist Robert Temple. And he loves the TV show The Rookie. It's psychological mind reader Kennedy. Kennedy can get inside your head. Have you seen it? No. What is it? It's like um, a light-hearted cop drama, mystery-ish. Well, it's not mystery-ish, so it's more more drama. Is it set in the 1800s or something? No, 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 no. It's got uh, Nathan Fillion, you know, the guy from Castle in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got him in it. It was the thing he did after Castle. Castle. Really good. Great characters. Start the show. Great. Never even heard of it. What's it on? Hmm. The telly. (laughs) Channel... My dad used to ring me going, turn on channel 27. I'm like, what is that and why, dad? <laughs> and 27 is different on different like service <laughs> yeah, providers, isn't it? it? Or like Freeview or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> um, tell us about, you don't dunk, I didn't know this about you. I've offered you a biscuit before at me house. We've had a cup of tea. You don't dunk them. No, I just eat the biscuit and drink the tea. Um... I, I have dunked biscuits. That's why I know I don't. Like, so I ha- it's not like, you know, sometimes you say- I'd, <laughs> You're not afraid. You know, You're so- like, that's wrong. I'm I'm one of those people, like you are as well, who says, I don't like that. What you actually mean is I've never had that, and I, I've decided in advance I don't like it. Or, or my mum told us I don't like it when I was, oh, you don't like that. What, what you, you know, like something fancy. Lobster, oh, you don't like that, son. You don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Holidays to Disney World, you oh, don't you like don't, that. Oh, you don't like Disney, son. You don't <laughs> like that. Um, Bedding? Yeah, bed, I, st- stuff on top of your bed? No, son, you don't like that. So I have dunked biscuits. I just happen to know I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I just so I happen to know I don't like them. I, I dunked. There you go. I like so me. There's the nothing biscuits better than a, than a hobnob or a ginger snap. In dunked in a cup of tea, it's all warm and. Mm. As we've said before, I uh, I like boring biscuits, like a rich tea biscuit or a digestive or something. And Dige- I just digestives are good. I just don't dunk them. Do you say digestives? I know what you said. Digestives. I did then. I don't normally. <laughs> okay, you just channeled just somebody else there, did you? Oh, a digestive. <laughs> <laughs> I just channel me, granddad. Did, did you <laughs> did, did you have a digestive? <laughs> a digestive. I think it's quite a good word. I think I might try and start using it. A digestive. digestive. Yeah, it's about D E R. Digestive. D E R Stop it, I'm trying to do me line. Mm-mm-mm. Right. Hello. Hi. Are you listening? Probably not by now, anyway. Um, we Every week on the show, we show you how to make more sales and earn more money 
from your email subscribers. We're talking about email marketing strategy, digestives, psychology, tactics, and share what's working right now to make more sales online with a brand new episode every email marketing Wednesday. Make sure you hit subscribe on your podcast player. Woo! There we go. So let's talk about this customer profiling thing. What exactly do we mean? It sounds like something the police would do, doesn't it? Uh, or, it or like very big research companies like for supermarkets that we're going to do some customer profiling. Right, exactly. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to take this premise and we're going to boil it down to the stuff that we small businesses need to know when it comes to, um, I, I guess really it's subscriber profiling as much as anything for us as email marketers. We're talking about taking the people on your list and working out who they are, what do they want, whereabouts are they at specifically, and most importantly, as it applies to their relationship with us and our business. Have they bought yet? Haven't they bought yet? So on your list right now, you've immediately got two different types of person. You've got people who've bought from you. Great. You've got people who haven't bought from you. That's a bit of a shame. You need to figure out why. You've got people who bought from you a long time ago, but haven't bought anything since. You've got people who bought once and you'd like to get them by twice. You've mm. got people who've bought everything you have. You know those customers where it doesn't matter what you put out, they're going to come and be the first to buy it. So we immediately get to kind of break our, our subscriber list down into uh, people's profiles as it relates to them becoming a customer or being a customer or maybe becoming a customer uh, and kind of allowing us to figure out what we're going to be able to do with those people. Yes. I, and, and here's the thing I want to make sure that this, this is a mistake I definitely made and I'm sure other people have made when they get their email marketing platform. Um, and it's what I used to do is depending on what I sent people – is I used to apply tags to tell me loads of stuff about them, depending on what they clicked on. So if I was sending them a link to a video that was um, about uh, cheese, how to make, how to grow your own cheese, for example, right? Um, how to grow your own cheese. Um, I would say if someone clicked on that, I'd be like, right, tag them with interest equals cheese, e interest equals video, interest equals grow your own food, interest equals food. Like, and I would have all this stuff. And then I remember like years later going, why do I need any of that information? Like there are very few businesses that you need to know that level of detail about people. If you are in a business where you're building a newsletter and your business is the newsletter where you sell advertising space or you sell the ability to broadcast to particular segments and you need to have, hey, I need to be able to grab the cheese section of my list because I've got, you know, somebody from Wensleydale cheeses uh, wanting, to, wanting to advertise to them, then that's useful. But for most of us who are selling our own products or selling stuff as an affiliate or a little bit of both, then you generally don't need a huge granular level of tagging of people based on the interests. Um, so that's a thing you can be free of. And it's a thing I had never really, I'd, I'd sort of totally, completely forgotten that I even did that. Did you do something similar or did you never get down that? Yeah, so because I had this business in the sort of um, self-development space, and so I would put out, you know, content or blog posts or videos or whatever on different topics. And some one might be about self-confidence and another one might be about... Um, you know, happiness and one, and those were such sort of disparate topics. Um, one might be about the digestive system. Uh, no, not really. Um, <laughs> there was like such disparate topics that I wanted to make sure that if somebody clicked to go and watch a video about self-confidence, I knew they were interested in that. But the truth is I didn't have products about all those different things specifically. And I didn't plan on creating, you know, there's a hundred different sub niches of your niche. 
you're probably not going to create, you probably shouldn't create products on all of those things. Um, and so there is definitely a thing, uh, there's definitely a, such a thing as sort of too much, um, too much tagging, uh, that kind of thing. I think that ultimately what you need to really do, and we've done this a lot with our business, is to boil the business down to what do I sell and what would be useful information to help me to sell those people. And that's the only information you thing. need to get, really. Like, nothing more than that, really. But some of the bits will sort of share a date. You might not have realised, oh, that might be useful, potentially. But in general, I think, I think that's exactly it. Like, what do I need to know in order to figure out how to sell my thing and how to identify the people who I should sell it to uh, and keep and keep away from the people I shouldn't. Um, so, I mean, as a, as a tiny business, you don't need hundreds of segments, right? As a small business, you don't need hundreds of segments, right? If you're, you know, if you're not a, a corporation, which is not our crowd generally, I know there's a couple of people in corporations do listen to the show because I've heard from them, but like in general, that's not our crowd. Okay. You've basically- part of the reason, the part of the reason why you don't need hundreds of segments is you've got to figure out what you're going to do with those segments later. So let's imagine in a dream world, you go, yes, I'm going to have you know, 50 different segments of my email list, you go, great. But you need to be keeping in touch with your subscribers on a frequent basis. What are you going to do? Send 50 emails a day? Most people can't even send one. So I think it comes down to, it's all well and good having this having this segmented data in your list. But at the same time, if that means you've got so many segments, you can't easily do anything with any of them, that's, that's actually where the problem comes in. Yeah, it does. So let's look at some ways you can divide people up, and then we'll also talk about how to actually deeply profile uh, your customers and get to understand a bit more about them and, and how they think as well. We're going to get into that in a bit, in a minute. But let's look at some data points, first of all. First of all, as Rob said, uh, you said um, customers, people who've paid you, people who haven't paid you yet. That's two big two big segments, right? People who have have paid and people who have not. Customers, non-customers. Two really good good segments. Another thing you can do, and a bit of information that we store on each subscriber, is a classic age-old marketing thing. One of the very few age-old marketing things that we actually implement in our business is something you might have heard of called RFM. And it stands for Recency Frequency Monitory. Um, RFM. And these are basically, uh, just in a practical sense, give you the sort of overview and obviously how you apply this and do this in your business is going to be different depending on your tech stack, what you're doing and all that sort of stuff. But against each contact, so next to Rob's name, for example, in our in our thing, we'll have a, a custom field called recency and another one called frequency and another one called monetary. So three custom fields. In the recency field, we have the date that Rob last bought something. And if he's not bought anything yet, That'll be empty. So he's going to self-select at that point of being non-customer. Great. So recency. Frequency in that field, it's going to tell us a value, a numerical value of how many of how many things has Rob bought. Okay. So if he's bought everything, it might have a number six in it or a number five in it or number 200 in it, depending on what your business is, right? Um, or if he's uh, bought one thing, it'll have a number one in it. And the final one is the monetary. How much has Rob spent with us? So it might say $25,000. And we'll be like, great, that's how much he's, that's what he's spent. But this is only worth collecting if you, like, like Rob said, if you're going to do something with it. The reason we started collecting it and for years ignored it, but then suddenly started collecting it is because we wanted to be able to identify who the people are who have bought something recently and be able to make an offer to them because we know that they are the freshest people. 
They are in buying mode with us. They are in a world right now where they are spending money, investing. They are so focused on, in our case, email marketing, that they're in investing and learning mode for that thing. That's a great time to offer somebody something. Frequency tells us how many things they've bought. If the answer is, if we've got 10 products, if the number's 10, well, we probably don't want to email that person because they've already bought everything. Or it might also, and there's another bit of information you can do with that, which is if um, if you've got a lot of people who've got a high frequency, that might tell you, actually, there's an opportunity for me to create a new offer. On the other hand, if you feel like it's time for you to create a new offer, it might be a case if you're going, well, let's have a look at what our frequency is. Most people haven't bought most of our stuff. Let's not create a new offer. Let's instead get more people to buy the stuff they haven't bought. Okay, so you can pull that up as a report. And then monetary. We can see who are the people in our list who have bought, who spent the most money. And, and this means you can actually say, okay, these people are high investors. They are the people who really like our stuff and we can go and offer them more premium stuff. Now, all of that's interesting. All of it's fascinating. And it also means you can not just do it subscriber by subscriber, but you can pull out averages. So on average, when did most people last buy? Or on average, how many products have people bought? Or on average, how much are people spending with us when they've got a value of more than $1, right? So you can pull that up as well. And you can and you come up that, that over time to see how you're doing. So recency frequency monitoring is something you can't implement to allow you to break up your subscribers a little bit. So that's a way, that's some ways of doing it with some data. And what that gives us is that we have a bunch of stuff that's basically now being automatically collected, okay? What's being happening here is the customers don't know it's happening, the subscribers don't know this is happening, but in the background, you're paying attention to have they bought yet? Have they bought more than once yet? Have they not bought yet? And you're paying attention to the recency frequency monitoring. You're just collecting that information in the background. It's statistically useful. It's it's good information that you can sort of just gather without any input from them. And that's really the first step of this, of this subscriber or this customer profiling thing. The next step of this process now is to outreach to them and collect data that they are going to give you. And that means they're going to be profiled in these two different ways. One is the stuff that you can just do without their input, without their knowledge. You, it just It's obvious based on what they've done and their activity. Uh, the second bit, though, is stuff that you can't necessarily immediately know about them. Uh, and we're going to have to kind of get their input on this. So the way we're going to do that is the first one is, as you probably know, we're huge fans of surveys, good surveys, not shit surveys. Most of the surveys we've all, we've all seen are terrible. They're too long. They break lots of rules. They have low completion rate, all that sort of stuff. But what we want to do is create a really simple survey um, to actually collect some data around what they like, what they're struggling with, what their biggest priority is right now, what they've tried in the past, how that, how that served them, how it hasn't served them. We're going to ask a bunch of simple questions that allow people to give us some kind of customer data. That's going to allow us to... Um, to to make decisions. And before we go into the second thing, which is one of my personal favorite things to do, and which you do, we do every single year. We do a survey every year as well. We do both these things about six months apart. So we do a survey and then six months later, we do the thing we're about to talk about. The really important thing here is before you send out your survey, before you sit down and write your questions for your survey, before you write down the stuff that you're going to need for the next step, you need to ask yourself to become very clear, what am I trying to do with this information? We never want to be doing this just to get a general feel. That's a terrible thing because you, you'll, you'll have woolly questions which lead you nowhere. You'll end up going, oh, that's nice. You'll look at it and go, that's interesting. And that's that. What is the decision you're trying to make? What are the, what are the questions you're trying to answer? Are the questions, 
They, is it like, oh, we're looking at developing a new program or a new product or service next year. Let's find out where people's gaps are. Great. Ask questions about that. If it's um, to do with um, how to talk to your audience and find out their, their turns of phrase or how they express things, ask questions that allow them to do that. So that's just two examples of the types of things you might be trying to do. But you want to be collecting information that you already know how you're going to use. I'll say it again. It's really important. Only collect information that you already know how you're going to use it. And then when you send out a survey, really important bit, and bloody nobody talks about this, it's so strange, um, is when you send out a survey, send it out to a small percentage of your list. 10%, something like that. Send out a 10% and watch the the first results come in. Because when you read those results that come back in, you will realize whether you have worded the question correctly or not, to get the types of responses you want. You might see that people are taking the question completely not the way you intended, and you're getting answers which are not what you're looking for and which are not useful. And if you'd sent that survey out to everybody at once, you've got no recourse. You've got no way of fixing that. Whereas if you just send out, say, 10% or you know, or something like that, a percentage of your list then at least you can go, great, I've got that information. That all look good, grand. I can now send it out to more people. I send it out to the rest of the list. If they came back and, of course, they've gone absolutely off the wall with their answers, you might want to refine the question. Sometimes you might find that one question becomes two or three questions so you can really step them through giving you a response. So that's the first thing. You could survey them. The second thing is what we call the phone psychic approach. Now, this is basically where we're going to do the unthinkable. We're going to get your email subscribers on the phone. Now, when I say on the phone, when I say on the phone, uh, that could be on Zoom, of course, on Skype. It's much more likely to be on some kind of digital platform than it is to be on the actual old dog and bone. There you go. There you go. A bit of Cockney rhyme and slang for you there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so here's what we do with that. We basically have calls with non-customers. Those are our favorite calls to have, people who haven't bought stuff yet. Um, and we have some calls with customers as well. Now, they both have their own merits. And basically what this is really looking to do is to collect qualitative data around your customers and their current thinking, their current position, their current mindset, their current state with you as a business and and, and generally in their in their activities. And so whereas, you know, running surveys, generally speaking, we're trying to collect stats and data. We're looking to segment and tag and do all that stuff on relatively um, multiple choice type questions. Whereas when it comes to having these calls, we can't easily do that. When we're having these calls, what we're doing instead um, is we are asking them questions where we get to let them do long essay form sort of answers, but over the call, and then continue to prod and poke and push people in the right direction. Um, if you're in our program and you'll have seen our battle plan, which is called Phone Psychic, you'll have seen the entire approach to this, uh, which is literally breaking down um, breaking down all the questions to ask and how to identify these people and what to do with that data. How to get them on the phone in the first place. That's a really important part of it. You know, How do you get them on the phone in the first place? Make sure you have a really good approach for that. A couple of things that this uh, comes down to in the end then, what it allows you to do, first of all, is to start to pick up on the language that your audience use. One of the things that we noticed quite early on in doing this process is that our customers, generally speaking, don't use words like revenue and profit. Instead, they use things like, I just want to make more sales. Great. So we as a business, generally speaking, 
occasionally we slip, uh, but generally as a business, we have trained ourselves out of using the words revenue. We don't particularly talk about profit per se. We do say things like, and you get to keep more of that money. That's more profit in your pocket at the end of the whole thing. But it's kind of quite colloquial rather than saying revenue and profits and all that stuff. Because our our audience, generally speaking, are small one and two person bands who just want to... Um, who just who just want to make more sales? That's what they want. Uh, yeah, they're know, not they talking to about to top line out. revenue and uh, and gross margin. Like none of that's happening. Exactly. And so we, we don't realize, talk well, about they, that shit. They don't use those words, so we won't use those words either. Otherwise, they'll start to think our stuff isn't for them. So you'll start to build the sort of um, vocabulary of your business by talking to the customers and finding out what they what they say. Another thing that happens is you will find that you will jump on calls with non-customers, um, and that's really there's there's an interesting argument as to which one is more useful. We think they're sort of balanced. Customers are useful because they are the right kind of person to buy from you because they did buy. But their their opinions are also skewed by the fact that they are already believers in what it is that you say. Non-customers, uh, that's a different value in that conversation because they haven't yet understood the value of what you can do for them. And therefore, it's useful to find out why. A lot of the time, though, you'll find that you get on those calls with non-customers. You'll basically say, hey, listen, this is not a sales call. We're not trying to sell you our thing. We just want to understand what you're up to and at the moment why you haven't bought. And a lot of the time, you'll have those calls. This is completely unintentional. And you'll literally just say, what is it you're trying to achieve? And they'll say, I want to sell more stuff with email. You'll say, great. You'll say, why haven't you joined the program yet? And you'll, they'll tell you why they haven't joined yet. And you can tell that they don't really have a good answer for that a lot of the time. A lot of the time, they're just like, well, you know, just a bit sort of, and it comes down to a lot of the time, they're just a bit scared, a bit nervous that, you know, they haven't, they just haven't. Um, and actually within days of doing those calls, hours sometimes, we've seen those non-customers just randomly wander over to our sales page and just buy the program. Um, purely by having that call, they've sort of reminded themselves, oh yeah, I do want to solve this and I haven't joined that yet, but it does sound good and I have been thinking about it. I might as well do it now. So they're not sales calls, but they do have a knock-on effect as well as collecting all this useful profiling data of actually generating quite a lot more sales than you would anticipate too. They do, they do. And so here's some tips around doing those calls. The first thing you want to do is you want to record the calls. Now tell the person this is a research call. I'm going to record it. I'm going to go and use it in our marketing. Is that okay? And they say yes. And then I hit record and I say, just to confirm, you've just confirmed that it's okay for me to record and use the recording of this call. And they say yes. Great. So now we've got that all. We're going to record the whole thing. Then we're going to have, uh, we're going to grab the transcript. So if you're using Zoom, it already automatically transcribes your uh, your calls. Uh, other platforms do the same. I think uh, Google Meet does the same thing as well. So it, it, it grabs the transcript. Then we're going to do something really cool. We're going to grab that transcript and we're going to go over to ChatGPT. I've been practicing saying that since bollocksing it up lots of times on this bloody podcast. Anyway, you're going to go over to chat and you're going to ask it to summarize the main points and themes of the transcript. Right? And then you're going to go through the transcript and you're going to pull out phrases verbatim, exactly as they say them. So what you're going to end up with is an analyzed transcript of the themes of the reasons. And you can ask chat any question you want. Why did this person not buy? What is the main reason? You have a bunch of pre-written questions to ask chat to analyze from all of the transcripts. 
You end up with a list of them. So now you can go and use all of that information about what's their biggest pain point, why haven't they purchased, what's the resistance, what what are they trying to sell, etc., etc., etc. And then you've got all that information that you can now go and use in a new email campaign. You can use, you can go and update your sales page. We've added entire sections, huge sections, like big meaty sections, to our sales pages based on what we heard on those calls. And then. We also grab their exact turns of phrase. So if they say, oh, I'm, um, I'm really worried about what my boyfriend will think if I, if I invest in a program. We might say, if you're really worried about what your boyfriend will think when you've invested in a program, we're literally using the words that come from our prospective customers' mouths in our copy so they can see, oh, this person absolutely gets me. This is the biggest shortcut to writing high converting sales copy is literally using the words that that your prospective customers are actually thinking and saying. Using them right there so they go, this person totally, totally gets me. And this is really what turns guesswork uh, about who you think your audience are or underlying subconscious assumptions that people make. I think it's really easy. We just did it. In fact, the other day, we were just thinking about something that we're working on at the moment. And we looked at our audience and we basically both came to the same conclusion at the same time, which is we'd had these underlying subconscious assumptions that were just wrong. We hadn't ever sat down and thought the words, oh, our customers are our subscribers are X, Y, Z, or our ideal customers are X, Y, Z. But they were just these sort of unconscious uh, biases, 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 biases biases that we had. Um, And actually, when we sat down and rationally thought through the content that we've gathered through doing these calls, we realized, oh, actually not. They're they're actually in this very specific position. Um, And so that was really, really useful. Um, Of course, whilst you're in the sort of world of chat, GBT and AI, you can even ask it for ideas on how to overcome these things. If you're sat there going, I don't know how to overcome this. Like, you know, I've got to go and speak to my partner about it or whatever. Um, you can just ask what's a good sales of, you know, acting as a professional sales copywriter or a sales, um, person, what's the correct way for me to overcome this in a way that's both ethical, good, and will work. So you can actually get inspiration for your ads and for your emails and stuff from chat GPT before you then go and start putting it all together. It's, it's super cool. So then what we're going to do is take all that information and start emailing our audience based on the segments we've identified and then start using those phrases on about the themes that we've identified. And this is the really important thing. Please do not ever go out and do audience profiling, customer profiling, customer research, because it's something you're supposed to do every year. That's a terrible waste of your time. Instead, know what you're going to do with it, and then step back, write the questions create the process to get you to that point. So if you know that in a few months time or a few weeks time, you're planning on writing a new sales page, writing a new email campaign, putting a new offer out, doing anything new or positioning something in a new way, or if something you think, hey, that's converting okay, but I think it can convert better. This is the time to go and do that and know what information you're going to need in order to have that effect. Um, so that's what we want you to do. Make sure that you know how you're going to go and use this information before you just start doing it willy nilly. In fact, uh, Rob, one of the things uh, we obviously talk about a lot is surveys. Do you want to talk about our survey platform? Because there's a really cool deal on it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we basically put together a survey platform. It's the reason why we even have a business together was basically to help small businesses do the thing we're talking about here. This is before we decided we wanted to teach our passion for email marketing. This was literally just an idea we had. We were both selling stuff using email. And one of the big things we were doing was surveys. And the problem was we wanted to be able to survey our audience and segment them in our email platform based on what they said. And that was impossible. And so we were, well, you could do it, but you'd have to like patch together bits of software with Zapier and things like that. And it was all very clear and slow and some of the stuff we wanted to do was just literally impossible and so we decided to do what any sane uh, people would do and hire a software developer get an office and start a business uh, for that software and so that's what we did we delved down in this hole we realized there was a real need for people to do this kind of marketing and so we created responsesuite.com uh, it's a really amazing survey platform where you can build drag and drop simple surveys kind of just like you know dragging an image together in canva is really easy uh, dragging a survey together in response suite is super simple just grab elements from the left, pop them onto the canvas, and you are good to go. You can then hook that survey up to your email marketing platform, ask whatever questions you want, and then segment people based on specifically what they say and which answers they choose. And you can actually grab a completely free account to get set up and start building your surveys. All you have to do to get it is head over to responsesuite.com. You better check out all the details, see all the stuff you can do, but then go and make a free account and just have a play with it. And you'll quickly see how easy it is to do, responsesuite.com. Absolutely love it. Okay, now time for this week's subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. I like this one. How to be better looking. That's the subject line. Um, <laughs> I quite like this idea of taking this thing that this sort of um, surface level thing that everyone aspires to be. Like everyone would like to be better looking, especially in the day of comparison where we're all looking at you know Instagram supermodels and thinking, oh, why don't I look like that? Unless you do look like that, in which case, well done you. But most of us are looking at them thinking, oh, well, I wish I looked like that. It's very unhealthy and all that jazz, but it's a cool. Th- it's a thing that everyone wants. Uh, and just to take this thing that's fundamentally impossible, like so, how to make a million dollars. Like that's a ten a penny subject line. How to be better looking, especially to an email marketing list, is sort of like, hang on, what? Yeah, yeah, I like it. How to be better looking. This week's subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. Another email marketing Wednesday, another show over. Thank you so much for listening to the whole show this week. We do this every single week. It's totally free, but do make sure you hit subscribe on your podcast player so that the next episode downloads automatically and you don't miss it. We'll be back next week. Say goodbye, Robert. Goodbye, Robert. <laughs>